Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who credits us with his perfection, his righteousness by faith, and makes us pure and holy in God's sight. Amen. Trust issues. We got them, right? Let's be honest. If, if you are an, a socially active adult, meaning you don't live in a cave, uh, but you're a socially active adult in 2018, you've got trust issues. It's almost impossible not to. I mean, we live in a world now where, where it's no longer just called news, it's called fake news. And what's fake and what's not? <laughs> ah, there's the question, right? Everybody's got a different definition. We live in a world where it used to be that if you read the newspaper or you listened to the, watched the news, you could trust that the facts that they gave you were, were actually the facts of the, the matter. But now, it's hard to tell, right? Is, is, somebody, is somebody skewing this story by their lack of objectivity? Are they, are they spinning it because they have some kind of an ulterior motive? I don't know. It, it really is a good question because it's really hard to tell. And as a result, guess what we have? We have trust issues. It's real easy to tell. Which one do you watch? CNN or Fox News? Because I guarantee you don't watch both. You pick one and you watch that. And you absorb the content that they give you. And what's funny is you're putting your trust in the stories, in the way they tell the story, in the news that they report in such a way that 40% of our country would say, I don't trust it. It actually goes, it's actually true for both of those channels. They have like 40% market share, and the other 40% of the country says, I don't believe anything they say. So now which one is it? At the very least, we've got trust issues, don't we? It's hard to know who to trust, and if you blindly trust a group that almost half of our country says don't trust them, uh, might have trust issues. And then there's the fact that if you pick one, generally it means anything from the other you distrust. Yeah, trust issues are, are real, right? Or maybe it's just simply because of the, the drip, 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 constant, instant bad news. And it's not just, you know, there was an accident across town kind of a deal. It's the tragedies and the horrors and the sadness and the, the terrible things from not just around our city, but from around the country and around the world. And you hear nothing but sadness and horrific tragedy all the time. And you hear about this family up on the north side of Denver that was, on the surface, they were a great and loving family and they imploded in the most horrific way possible. And when you hear that over and over for days and days, it might make you wonder, who's next? Is it one of my friends? Is it one of my neighbors? Is it me? Or you hear about the, the abuse and the violence and the greed and the this and the that, and it's just everywhere. And, and who can you trust anymore? And so to protect yourself, you build this wall 
right? You build this wall around yourself. You build this wall around your heart because I'm not letting anyone in because I don't trust anyone anymore. Yeah, trust issues, we've got them. And if you are a socially active, socially aware adult in 2018, it's just a reality. Because we've been hurt and we've been burned and we are afraid. And we hear about so much bad all the time that we're, we're afraid that if I let this person or that thing into my life, that will be me. And so we've got trust issues. And to all the people with trust issues, to all the people who have been hurt, who have been burned, who are afraid, God wants you to know that there is someone you can trust. And it's not your friendly neighborhood insurance agent. And it's not the bank down the street that promises you can trust us. It's God. And he wants us to know we can trust him because his track record is impeccable. It's perfect. And he wants to help us to lead us past our trust issues, to lead us through them and trusting and clinging to him. We take a look this morning at our sermon text from Matthew 14, begins at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, it helps to know what's going on. This has been a, a crazy, a chaotic day for Jesus' disciples. They had, been, they had been with Jesus as he was teaching, and this crowd had gathered. And it was thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I think it's hard for us maybe to grasp how many people, right? This is the, the feeding of the 5,000, but it's the 5,000 men, not counting women and children. I think it's fairly safe to say that this was probably a crowd of, of 10 or even more thousand people. And Jesus, as he was teaching, posed up a problem, a challenge to his disciples and said, hey, all these people are never going to get home on time. There's no McDonald's, so figure out how are we going to feed them all? And the disciples went, uh, we can't. They knew what the problem was, but there was no solution. But Jesus had one. And Jesus took the, the five loaves of bread and the, the two small fish that they had. He blessed them. And the, the really cool thing is Jesus had the disciples participate in this, right? He said, okay, you guys go, go and distribute this now. And so these dozen people had this crowd of thousands, maybe 12,000 even, sit down and started handing out food. And as they handed out food, there was more and more food. There was, there's always food to hand out, and the people just kept eating. And they ate until they were full, every one of them. But these dozen people handed out food to 12, 10, 12,000 people. This likely took them hours. And then afterwards, they went around and they picked up all the leftovers, and they had 12 baskets full left over. The crowd saw what Jesus had done. He had started with almost nothing, and he had fed all of them as much as they wanted and they said hey this is good 
this guy's going to be our king, whether he wants to be or not, because he can keep doing this all day long, every day. And this will be great. Life will be easy. Things will be good. Jesus wanted to protect his disciples from that way of thinking and from that temptation. And so that's why he put them in a boat and said, head on across the lake. I'll meet you there. And then he dismissed the crowd. The hard part was these disciples who had been surrounded by thousands of people all day long. And if you've ever been in a massive crowd, you know how just emotionally and physically draining it can be, right? And then they had fed all of these people. And here they are now. They left before dark, and they're stuck. They're rowing against the wind. They're caught up in the waves, and they're getting nowhere. And it is literally all night long, and they're out in the middle of the lake. Look what happens. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. It seems a little bit unfair to call this a trust issue. Because I, I think it's safe to say that this was not something they saw every day and probably no other day. But it's, that's part of why I think, it's, I think it's fair to say this is a bit of a trust issue, and it's one that we have as well. Because you know, did you notice what the disciples did, what they said, when they saw this thing they've never seen before? Their answer was not, hey, it's God. It was, hey, it's a ghost. Now, I wouldn't maybe totally blame them, But consider where they had just come from. They had just been out on on this plane, and they had seen something that was supernatural and miraculous. Jesus had fed thousands of people, and they had participated in it, handing out the food. They had seen something supernatural that God had done. It was a miracle. And yet, when this was something that was supernatural, their minds skipped past even the possibility that this could be Jesus doing another miracle and went right to something even less likely, something that isn't real. Do you ever do that? When God does something in your life, maybe it's something incredible, maybe it's something simple, and he just makes things kind of go smooth, kind of work out. Those days are nice, right? And wow, I, I can't believe this this just happened. And what do we say? Oh, it's just good luck. Oh, it's just, it's karma. And we want to, to skip right over God. And we land at something that is far less likely, something that isn't even real. See, when you cling to the hope of, of good luck, when you cling to the, cling to the hope of, of karma, that something good is happening to you because you try to be a good person, you are, are really missing out. You're overlooking the one who controls all things, the one who, who loves you and who loves to pour out his blessings on you. 
you're hoping and you're trusting in something that isn't even real, something that doesn't exist, rather than hoping or trusting in the one who created everything that exists. It's our first takeaway this morning that hoping or trusting in good luck or karma is hoping and trusting in something that isn't God. And that's really the the crux of the matter. That's the heart of the issue because it's an issue of our heart, right? It's hoping or trusting in something that isn't God. Now, I think sometimes we we do that. We, We throw it out to good luck or karma or whatever we want to call it because we're trying to use it as a little bit of a defense mechanism, right? If I don't pin all my hopes on this, if it doesn't come true, well, then I don't have to wonder why didn't God do what I asked? Why didn't God give me what I wanted? I can just say, well, it just didn't happen this time. Well, I guess bad luck, right? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry. But the problem is, is not merely that we're hoping and trusting in the wrong thing. That's a part of it. That's a definite trust issue. The other part of it is we have a trust issue with God. Because we don't actually think or believe or trust that he can and will do what he says. See, we've forgotten promises that God makes because God keeps them all. Right? We said that before. We read that from the Bible. It's a, it's a truth that God states throughout all of Scripture that Jesus made exceedingly clear when he said statements like this. With man, yeah, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Or what about this verse? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, it's not able to be measured, how much more He can do then all that we ask. Do you ask for a lot of things? Or imagine. What can you imagine? God's able to do immeasurably more because that's who that's talking about. God is able to do immeasurably beyond what we can even imagine. What we can possibly comprehend. God can do it. Is the problem God? Or is the problem that I don't trust him? That when I I pray, when I ask him for something, when I want something, you know, we kind of hedge our bets, right? Hey, God, if you could, you know, maybe kind of sort of do something sort of like what I'm hoping for, maybe that'd be kind of nice. We're not bold. And we certainly are not trusting. And that's a trust problem, right? It's our second takeaway this morning. That God wants me to trust that he can do everything. He can do everything that I ask, and he will do what's best for me. God can do anything. He will do what is best for me and for you. Now, I don't know if if that was on Peter's mind, but he sure showed some trust. Let's take a look. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. 
Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now Peter had trust, didn't he? He had trust in Jesus. Of that there is no doubt. You don't ask somebody, Hey, can I come walking on the water? If you don't trust that they can do that. Peter asked, and Jesus did, granted Peter's request. And, and notice what the Bible says. Peter walked on the water. Think about that. Was it two steps? Was it 20? I have no idea. But he was walking on water. He was defying reason and nature. Peter asked, and Jesus granted. But then Peter began to sink. And it wasn't because Jesus couldn't keep him up any longer. In fact, it wasn't Jesus' problem at all, was it? It was Peter's. Peter, even as he defied nature, even as he defied reason and logic, he doubted. The Bible says he saw the wind and he was afraid. Even as the power of God allowed him to defy nature, he was afraid of nature. Even as his even as the power of God allowed him to defy reason, his reason said, those waves are dangerous, you're going to sink, and he listened. It's amazing that Peter trusted and doubted. You ever do that? You ever trust God and doubt God? Sure you do. We all do. Because as, as we talked about last week, we're all broken, right? We all have this part of us that is broken by nature, and even though we trust in Jesus, it's still broken, it's still sinful, and it still doubts and disbelieves God. And it, it's really sad it's our, our third takeaway this morning that it's important to remember because I am sinful and broken and a Christian, I'm both, right? I both doubt or I both trust and I doubt God. And there's the problem. As Christians, we believe, right? We do. We say, Lord, I believe, I trust you. But I don't always trust you. And I don't always trust you to do what is best. It's not what I think is best, that's for sure. And so I'm not sure that it is what's best. And we have a trust issue. When we doubt, when we waver, when we're afraid, that's when Jesus wants us to do exactly what Peter did. See, Peter, even though he struggled with doubt, he also had faith. He also trusted. And so he knew exactly what to do when he got overwhelmed, when he doubted, when he wavered, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, and here's the thing. He trusted, even in his doubt, even in his weakness, he still trusted that God could and would save him. 
not because Peter was faithful, not because Peter had done such a magnificent job, but because God is truly gracious and loving and faithful. And Jesus did exactly what Peter asked, didn't he? What would you have done? Have you ever thought about that? Come on, man, I just had you walking on water. I'm going to let you sink a little bit before I rescue you. Nope. No reluctance, no hesitation. Jesus reached out his hand and saved Peter. He knew of Peter's trust issues, and yet he saved him. And that's our our fourth takeaway this morning, that Jesus, he knows my trust issues too. He saves me, though, not because of the power of my trust, not because I trust him so completely, so well, but because of the love of the one that I trust in. It's not because of my trust, it's because of whom I trust in. It's because of, of my Savior, it's because of my God. See, Jesus knows that we trust and doubt. He doesn't do, though, like we might do. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to trust you because I'm going to forgive you for this and for this and for this because you were trusting me. But that one, you doubted. You're on your own. Figure it out. That's not what he does because his his love is is so unbelievable. It's so incredible. It's so indescribable. It is undeserved love. It is grace. And so he reaches out his hand and he saves. Time and time and time again. He saves us. He forgives us, right? From our fears, from our worries, from our doubts, from our anxiety. He saves us even when we doubt, even when we waver. See, that's the the beauty that Jesus knew Peter was doubting, and yet he saved him. And he didn't just save him from drowning, because if he had simply saved him from drowning and let him die in his sins and suffer in hell for eternity, all Jesus would have been doing by rescuing Peter from the water was delaying the inevitable, right? No, Jesus saved Peter from drowning, and he saved Peter from his sin. And that's what Jesus does for you and for me. He saves us from all of the the physical dangers that we face all the time, some that we put ourselves in, some that, that just happen and we have no control over. But he doesn't just save us from physical danger. He saves us from sin. He saves us from eternity in hell that we deserve. And he saves us for eternity in heaven that is his gift He takes us back to where he saved us and he says, you don't ever doubt my promise because of of this, because of the cross, because of the first promise ever made and it was kept perfectly, beautifully forever where every sin ever committed was paid for. Where every doubt ever was wiped away. Where every fear, every anxiety, every worry, the source of all of it was crushed. Because he says, hey, I saved you. 
not just from, from delaying the inevitable that you face at the end of life, but I saved you for a life that is full because it trusts me for everything. Because we've got trust issues, don't we? You can't be a, a socially aware adult in 2018 and not have them. And there's perhaps a, a, a small piece of skepticism that's an okay thing to have, as long as it doesn't lead you down the path to cynicism, to being jaded, to not trusting at all. But God says when it comes to him, he wants us to get rid of skepticism, to get rid of cynicism for sure, and to know that there is no fake news. There are no unkept promises. And when you start to doubt, when you start to waver, when you start to, to be worried and afraid and anxious and nervous and all these other things, and, and you see everything going on in the world and you start to get overwhelmed, God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. come back, sit down, listen to me. Cry out to him, Lord, save me, because he promises, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. He says, come and listen to me. Come and listen to my promise again. Listen to my promises that I love you no matter what. Listen to my promises that I save you, not because of you, but because of me. Listen to the promises of all of them fulfilled. See where it was accomplished on the cross. Go to that tomb and see that, that death had no hold on Jesus. See that sin and Satan had no power over him. He died and he rose. And he lives today. And he lives to lead you through the murky and muddy and messy world we live in. And he lives to lead you through the trust issues that we have. Through them by faith to your heavenly home with him. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's a beautiful verse to remember. Amen. May the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.